So today I want to continue. Uh, it's been, you might have forgot about this, but we were doing this series called Disciple. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> it seemed like a couple of years ago, but actually it's been two weeks ago. Um, but we're going to continue this series and I'm just going to do a little quick review. Uh, we're in week four of our series called Disciple. And our theme verse is Matthew 28, 19, which says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, make disciples of all the nations. And in week one, we talked about God's method of changing the world. And he is changing the world, by the way, right? We deducted that God's method of changing the world is through the influence of each and every disciple within the church body. That's how he changes the world. It's not through buildings. It's not through organizations. It's through individual disciples. Is that right? In week two, we talked about the difference between professing Christians and true disciples. Everybody's a Christian if you interview them. What's the difference between so-called professing Christians and really true, genuine disciples? We took a a closer look at what Jesus said and listed the seven marks of a true disciple. And then in week three, we talked about the indispensable key of all true disciples. And we emphasize the point that the key to all true disciples is personal spiritual discipline. The word disciple, the root of disciple is discipline. And it takes personal discipline, spiritual discipline, to be a true disciple of Christ. Christianity is not for the lazy. I didn't hear one amen there. Amen. Come on, how many agree with that? It ain't for the weak. It ain't for the lazy. It ain't for the, the you know, the belly acres and whiners. Amen. And so in week four, today we're going to talk about the ultimate purpose of each true disciple. Have you ever wondered why God called you into his family? Have you ever wondered why you're sitting here today? And why you're not somewhere lost like a goose in high weeds? Today we're going to try to answer that question. We're going to begin in John chapter 15. And we're going to look at a powerful verse there in John chapter 15 and verse 16 that says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now, this is, a, this is an interesting verse. Notice what this verse says. Why did God choose us to be a part of the church family? Jesus said, hey, first of all, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So, you know, we can't take any credit. The credit all belongs to God. Is that right? Amen. So we shouldn't look down our nose at anybody that's not serving the Lord. So Jesus answered and said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. And not just fruit, fruit that will last. And he chose us. What does that mean? The Lord chose us. To be chosen means to be selectively picked out. The Lord selectively picked us to be part of his family. I mean, there was a crowd of people and he picked me. If I would have been him, I'd have probably overlooked me. How about you? Like, this is not a good candidate right here. I'm I'm so grateful he picked me. How about you? Are you grateful he picked you? 
So he chose us. He selectively picked us out and appointed us. The word appoint means to ordain, actually. And it means the purpose for which something was created. And so God chose us and purposed for us to do a certain thing. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I selectively picked you out to be a part of the church family. And I specifically ordained and purposed for you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So I believe Jesus is giving us the ultimate purpose of our life. The ultimate purpose of our life, I believe, is very clear. We're created to be fruitful. Specifically, we were created to be physically fruitful. You know why God created men and women? You know why they're different? He created us to be fruitful. It's the natural creation of God. Listen, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and govern it. The first order given to mankind was to be fruitful and multiply. That was his first order. We've been created to reproduce after our own kind. At the very core of our being is the ability to be fruitful. How is it that we keep multiplying on the earth? It's because God ordained us to. God created us to. That's why. That's how. It's because God purposed it. But not only are we created to be physically fruitful, we were also created to be spiritually fruitful. Look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, what it says there. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, why did Jesus tell Simon and Andrew or or not what or how, but what did Jesus tell Andrew and Simon? He would show them how to do. He said, I will show you how to fish for people. You know, I've been fishing a bunch of times. I never caught somebody in the Vermilion Bay. That's not what he was talking about, right? I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And so God has called us as disciples to be fishers of men. How many of you are a disciple? How many of you are a disciple of Christ? You consider yourself a disciple of Christ. If you are, then you are called to be fishers of men. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We all have a ministry. What is our ministry? Reconciliation. God has given every believer the ministry of helping people experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
See, it's not the pastor's job. It's not the apostle's job. It's not the prophet's job. It's not the evangelist's job. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that God gave us those gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Whose job is it? Come on, are y'all with me? It's ours. It's the whole body's ministry to help people find Jesus. So you're looking at the ultimate purpose of every disciple is to be fruitful, spiritual reproducers. We were born to reproduce physically and we were born again to reproduce spiritually. We can recognize this principle in the early church. I want to show you something. John 140. Let's look at this up, up on the screen. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men. What men? The disciples. Who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Now, who helped Andrew get introduced to Jesus? Well, notice what verse 40 says. He heard what John said and followed Jesus. The reason why John became interested in following Jesus was because, or the reason why Andrew became interested in following Jesus was because of who? John. Andrew became a Christian because he heard what John said about Jesus. He must have said, Andrew, you got to meet this guy. You've never met anybody like this. He's different than anybody you've ever met in your entire life. You've got to meet him. You got to get to know this guy. Andrew's interest was piqued. It's like, who is this guy? Come on, I'm going to show you. So he was John's influence that helped Andrew become a Christian. It didn't say the pastor. It didn't say the prophet, the evangelist. It said John, right? Now look at verse 41 of that same chapter. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon. And told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew, what did he do? He brought Simon to meet who? Who brought him to meet Jesus? Simon did. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. You heard of that guy, Peter? So watch the progress. John influenced Andrew, helped him find Christ, and Andrew influenced and helped Simon Peter find Christ. So you got John, Andrew, and then Peter. Now, if you remember, later we see Peter, after he's discipled, we see him stand up and preach the gospel like nobody's business. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 souls are saved in one meeting because of Peter testifying about Jesus. Now, John reached Andrew. Andrew reached Simon Peter. Simon Peter preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are saved. Man. You see, John don't get the credit. But how many of you know John is responsible for those 3,000 being saved? Andrew doesn't get credit. But how many of you know Andrew is responsible for those 3,000 people getting saved? Do you see this? See, who knows how many of those 3,000 people reached? 
We have no idea, but we know the church blew up and has continued to spread like wildfire. But who knows how many people those 3,000 reach for Christ? It's a chain reaction. It's the domino effect. One reaches the other and reaches the other and reaches the other. Listen, I could, I could work myself to the bone trying to reach people in Lafayette. But listen, how many of you know that all of us together, if we go all out to our respective places that we live, we can all reach a whole lot more people than me working feverishly trying to reach a bunch of people. Right? It's the chain reaction. So the ultimate purpose of every believer is to be spiritual reproducers in the kingdom of God. And this is how we influence the world. You get it? If you get it, say, I got it. Amen. Now we have a video that I want to show you that kind of helps uh, just really emphasize this point just a little bit clearer. Watch this video. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family, and he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas, on Uncommon Joy and Lisa, 
who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. Amen. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Amen. So, so today we're talking about, about reaching, reaching others, reaching people with our influence. And today God is wanting to use you to touch other people's lives. And, uh, and we got to be reminded that um, we've been empowered to be spiritual reproducers the Bible tells us in, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19, Jesus told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice the connection in verse 2. I have given you all authority. Go and make disciples. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, Go reach out to others with the intention of winning them to Christ and trust that I'm going to help you to do that. How many of you know God will help us to do that? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's job is to empower us to do what we're purposed and called to do, and that's reach others for Christ. See, the Holy Spirit's job is not to give us goosebumps. And the Holy Spirit's job is not to make us feel good. The Holy Spirit's job really is to empower us to be witnesses. To be witness means, a witness means two things. First of all, it means To be a martyr, to be willing to lay down your life for the cause and purpose of Christ. You know, you know, there's three guys, three pastors that are, are arrested, have been arrested and they're held captive right now by, by, by people that resent them and don't like them. And they don't know whether they're going to make it or not. How does somebody stay true to the cause of Christ, even to the point that they're willing to lay down their life? How do you do that? I tell you how you do that. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the strength and the power to even lay your life down for the cause of Christ. Amen. But there's another word for witness, which says, It also means to affirm with confidence what you've seen and heard and know about Christ. It it means to affirm with confidence what you've seen and heard about Christ. And so when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit's job is to empower you by giving you boldness and confidence and strength to affirm and testify with confidence what you've seen, heard, and know about Jesus Christ. If you've been a true disciple of Christ, if you've been a true believer in Christ, then certainly you can testify about the goodness of Christ. Amen. How many of you would say, Jesus has changed my life? You see, the Holy Spirit's job is to give you boldness to say that to people that might laugh at you. 
give you bonus to say that people might reject you if you tell them that. See, the job of the Holy Spirit is to give you supernatural bonus and strength and power to say, I don't care whether you like it or you don't like it, whether you love me or you don't love me. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, listen, it's through the Holy Spirit's empowering your life to witness for Christ that you become fruitful reproducers. That's how you do it. So let me give you a little bit of encouragement how to fulfill your purpose this morning. How many of you would like to be more fruitful in the kingdom of God? I want to make sure I'm talking to the right audience. If you're not interested, you could just, you know, go watch the saints play. Are are they playing today? No, don't leave. Stay here. Hang on just a minute. I'll get you out in plenty of time. But let me encourage you how you can be more fruitful. Listen, if you... If you've been touched by Jesus, it's, you, wanna, you want to share the good news, right? When you've been to a good restaurant, you say, hey, uh, man, let me tell you, you ought to go try this place. When your life is impacted by Jesus Christ, you got to tell somebody about what Jesus did for me. Amen? You can't help it. And so listen, let me give you some advice that I think will increase your fruitfulness. Number one. Remember this, our level of fruitfulness is determined by our ability to stay connected to our life source. This is what Jesus said, John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in, unless you remain in, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in and I in, he will bear much apart from you can do nothing. It's pretty clear, right? So look closely what Jesus says here in verse 5. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Now, does it say if he's intellectually capable he will bear much fruit. Does it say if he's socially in the right status, he will bear much fruit? Does it say if he was raised on the right side of the tracks, he will bear much fruit? Does it say any of that? No, it says if he remains in me, he will bear much fruit. So how do you produce more spiritual fruit in your life? You bear more fruit by spending more time connecting to your life source. Do y'all, y'all get this? See, sometimes I think we get it, but we don't really get it. We heard it, but we didn't really hear it. So listen, if I want to be, if I want to bear more fruit, what should I do? I need to connect more to the vine. And Jesus, listen, it's a direct promise from God. If I, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Are y'all getting this? So listen, if I want more fruit, I stay more connected. If you spend more time reading and studying the Bible, if you spend more time in prayer and worship, if you spend more time reading, listening, and learning, and growing in your relationship with God, the Lord guarantees us we will be more influential and have more spiritual fruit in our life. Amen? 
So let me ask the question. How many of you want to bear much fruit? How much, how many of you want to bear more fruit? How serious are you about it? Are you so serious that you're willing to spend more time praying? Are you so serious that you're willing to spend more time in the Bible feeding yourself? Are you so serious that you're willing to not stay on Facebook or Instagram as much and and read your books that will help you grow in your relationship with God? How serious are you? Because the promise is, if you will stay connected to the vine, not you might, not there's a chance, you will bear more fruit. Come on. So that tells me everyone in here can be more influential in the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, it's kind of like gaining weight or losing weight. If I want to gain weight, what do I need to do? (laughs) Some of you, some of you been there, done that, huh? If I want to lose weight, what should I do? You know it, right? Hey, listen, what's true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. Now, listen. I could just stop right here and just say, man, if we could really get this. Listen, you don't have to quit having fun. You don't have to quit enjoying life. But if we we steal time, if we will steal time from either, you know, I'm talking about Facebook, Instagram, and whatever else they got out there, the social media stuff. If we'll just steal some time from that, We'll turn our cell phone off or leave it on a shelf somewhere and get alone with God. Steal some time from our TV watching. Steal some time while we're driving down the road where we really can't do anything but listening to the radio anyway. If we'll purposely steal some time somewhere and make a conscious effort to connect better to the vine, I know that there'll be people's lives that'll be eternally changed because you've did it. Amen. I know they will. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? Come on. I'm trying to encourage you today. I believe we can have greater impact. I mean, I'm stirred. Come on, Lord. I want to, I want to have more impact. Amen. Now, a second word of advice that could help you fulfill your purpose is know that God is already working on people's hearts around you. He's already working. Listen what this verse says, John 15, 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. Remember who said this? Jesus said to them, my father is always work at work. To this very, to this very day. And I too am working. Today, the Father is working in the world. Today, the Son, who is Jesus, is working in the world today. God the Father and the Son are working in people's lives right now as we speak. He's causing hearts to be softened and to become hungry for God. You see, listen, I didn't make a decision. I'm going after God. God began preparing my heart before the person came and introduced me. See, right now, there are people that are not saved that are going to be saved. And the Holy Spirit and God, the Father and the Son is already working in their life to soften their hearts and get them ready to receive the gospel. Amen. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit is working. John 16, 7 and 8. The fact of the matter is 
is that it is best for you that I go away, for if I don't, the comforter won't come. If I do, he will, he will, for I will send him to you. And listen what he does. And when he has come, he will convince the world of its sin, of the availability of God's goodness, and of deliverance from judgment. So listen, the Holy Spirit's job is to convince the world of sin. Listen, somebody didn't have to tell me some of the stuff I was doing was sin. Nobody had to tell me. I knew it. I knew it in my knower. Why? The convictor was saying, hey, that's bad news. You shouldn't be doing that. Nobody had to point their finger. Nobody had to say to me, quit doing that. The Holy Spirit's job is to say, quit doing that. But not only that, but he also says, he, he tells us, he, um, he will convince the world of its sin of the availability of God's goodness. Listen, whenever you say God is good, the Holy Spirit's job is to tap somebody on the shoulder that you're telling that to and says, that's the truth. What he's telling you is the truth. God will change your life. God will help you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Whenever you're trying to share Christ with somebody, you never by yourself. The Holy Spirit's always there with you saying, that's right. That's true. He's he's just whispering it in their ear. He's whispering it in their heart. That's the right thing right there. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that encouraging? And so listen, and then he says, and, uh, and of deliverance from judgment. Somehow they know that it, hey, judgment is coming. And, and it ain't good if you're not right with God. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit's job is to say, you ain't ready. You ain't ready to die. You ain't ready to face your eternity. See, that's the Holy Spirit's job. So the Father's working. The Son is working. The Holy Spirit is working. Listen what John 6, 44 says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. How does the Father draw people to Christ? Through the Holy Spirit. He says nobody can come unless the Father draw them. How, how, does they, how do they get drawn? How did you get saved? How did, who drew you? Who drew me? Listen, between the buzzes of the drugs, the Holy Spirit drew me, got me hungry, put a desire in my heart, not only in me, but in you that are saved in here too, right? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to prepare and draw people's hearts to Christ. So then the question is, how do you know whose hearts he's drawing? Is there, is there a certain sign? How do you know? Well, see, that's the dilemma. We don't know. That's why you got to keep your next point, keep your spiritual eyes open for receptive people. That's why you got to walk around like you treasure hunting, like you're looking for something very valuable, like a soul. Walk around. You say, who is the Lord drawing Who is the Lord preparing? They're all around. I just don't know who they are. Listen, fishing for souls is like fishing for redfish. Sometimes they're hungrier and easier to catch than other times. And everybody that's been redfishing said, Amen. Sometimes you can't buy a redfish. Sometimes it looks like they're going to jump in your boat. 
You didn't even got to throw your line out there. Is that right? See, wise fishermen know that fish bite better at different times and at different places. And when we come to fishing for souls, we got to be wise. Listen to what Matthew 10, 14 says. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you have when you leave that town, that home or that town. You know, sometimes they're not going to welcome you. They're not going to be very receptive. How many of you have been there? So sometimes we go fishing where the fish aren't biting. We say fish don't bite. No, we just might have been throwing the bait at the wrong spot. We might have been fishing in the wrong hole. Amen. We might need to just change where we're trying to catch fish. Are y'all with me? See, this is a very significant statement Jesus makes. Jesus was instructing the disciples to leave the unresponsive people and go search for responsive people. Sometimes, listen, you know, whenever I, listen, whenever I first got saved, I thought, you know, I used to hang out. It's not, it's not what it is now. It's downtown, but it used to be the strip. That's where I'd hang out. So I said, well, I'm going to go to the strip and witness to my friends. I got a bunch of them down there. <laughs> I got, I know a bunch of people down there. And I would go, and I, I wasn't very fruitful. It, was, it wasn't a good fishing hole. I was better off waiting till the next morning whenever they had a headache. <laughs> hey, come on now. This is going to help somebody right here. Amen? This is not even in my notes. This is right off the cuff. I know this is for somebody in here. So listen, the fact is people become more receptive and open to the gospel at different times and seasons in their life. See, for me, whenever I became a Christian, it's because I went through a certain season in my life that made me more receptive. So we should constantly be keeping our spiritual eyes open and asking God, God, who are you preparing right now for me to talk to? Who are you preparing right now? You see, you don't really have to change really your lifestyle. You could just go to Walmart like you normally do. Amen. Listen, ladies, let me encourage you. You could just go to the mall like you normally do. Man, let me encourage you. You could just go play golf like you normally do. Amen. As we live our lives, we just need to be spiritually attuned to what God is wanting to do. Amen. Ask the question, God, who are you preparing right now for me to talk to? There are two times people are more receptive to the gospel. Number one, when people are going through life transitions, like if they get a new job, a new home, they move to a new city, a new baby, a new marriage. How many of you know a new marriage? That'll help you find Jesus. That'll motivate you to need Jesus. A new baby, that'll help you to cry out to God, right? A new school. Listen, you know what the campus ministries like Chi Alpha and different ones on campus, you know what they found out? That they need to focus on the freshmen that are moving into the campus. Because many of them are moving out of town into a new place. And because they're in a new place, they're in a major transition. Their security is, is messed up. And they're open, and they're open to make new friends. And they found out that freshmen are usually more receptive to the gospel than juniors and seniors. 
You know why? Juniors and seniors have been in college for a while. They've already got their habits. They've already got their relationships. And it's harder to reach juniors and seniors than it is freshmen in school because they're in a very receptive time. Do you know they say that if you, if you will reach a child whenever they're young, the ability to reach them is way off the charts higher than if you try to, to reach an old coot. I ain't changing for nobody. Come on, you know what I'm saying? But there are times where people are more receptive. And so listen, that's why it's good to meet your neighbors whenever they first move into your neighborhood. That's why it's good to be the first one to go meet that new co-worker that comes to work on your job. Because they're in transition, they don't know anybody, and they will be open and receptive to you because they're trying to figure it out. Are y'all out there? Another time that, that, um, that people are very receptive to the, to the gospel is not just through transitions, but through life's tensions, like physical tension. When they're going through a sickness or they have an injury, emotional tension, like when they're going through depression or fear or discouragement, financial tension. When they're unable to pay their bills and the creditors are harassing them. During relational tension, like when people go through divorce or they just, just get uh, their, their relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up. People become more open to the gospel. People who are going through life's tensions and transitions are usually searching for answers and looking for hope and truth. And as believers, we have hope and truth. We have answers, right? See, the ultimate purpose of every disciple is to be fruitful, spiritual reproducers. So we should constantly be keeping our eyes, our spiritual eyes and ears open and asking God, God, who are you preparing for me to talk to? Let me just encourage you. Sometimes there'll be a friend in your life you hadn't heard from in a while and out of the blue, they'll, they'll call you and then you'll run into them at the store. It may not be a coincidence. They may be God setting them up, setting you up because you have hope, you have truth and God wants you to be the witness, the testifier about God's goodness and God's blessing. Amen? And God not only... Ask us to do it. He empowers us to do it. The Holy Spirit gives us the grace that we need to do it. How many of you willing to be more fruitful? Are you getting this? Are you hearing this? So do you have to have a certain degree of Bible knowledge to be fruitful? Do you have to have, do you have to know every, do you have to know chapters and verses to be fruitful? No, you have to be a disciple. How many of you are disciples? How many of you are a believer? How many of you are Christians? And your desire is to serve the Lord. Let me see your hands if that's you. And after you raise your hands, just stand up. I want to see how many Christians, believers, disciples we have in the church. Man, imagine the power 
of this crowd that's in this room right now and the difference we can make in Lafayette. Imagine how many lives can be touched. Amen. Don't worry about touching a lot of lives. Just worry about touching one. Come on, just one. Just one. How many of you say, Lord, I want one. I want to influence one. Listen, listen, you know what? You don't even have to know how to lead them to Christ. All you got to do is influence them like John did. All you need to do is tell them about Jesus. All you need to do is show them about Jesus. Show them like what Christianity is. Show them what what Christianity is like. Show them a life full of the Spirit that is filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And they'll say, like Lisa said to Kim, there's something about Kim that is different. Kim, or, or Kim, what is it? And through Kim's testimony on college campus, Lisa got born again and she got saved. Amen. Who reached a guy who had had been paralyzed, who became a public speaker that touched a guy that was lost and wrecking his life, who touched a young man whose life was in shambles. That's the way it works. Amen. You're going to touch somebody I'm never going to touch. I'm going to touch somebody you'll never touch. But everybody can touch somebody and together we're going to touch a lot of bodies. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. No, so let's commit ourselves and say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want to make a difference, Lord. I want to have an impact. Give me spiritual discernment. Give me spiritual eyes to see. Give me spiritual perception to know who it is. Lord, help me to, help me to see when people are in transition and they're living in tension. I got saved when my life was in tension and my life was in transition. And the purpose in that impact in my life didn't even know that I was going through tension and transition. Just because they had spiritual discernment and just was willing to stand up and ask me to go to church, my life was eternally changed. I'm so grateful for my brother and my sister-in-law who was willing to take a step, take a risk and share their faith with me. My life now has been eternally changed and my life has been filled with purpose and I've been able to make a difference in this world for the cause of Christ all because I had a brother and sister-in-law that desired and wanted to be fruitful and I believe there's lives that right now are lost that are going to be changed because of your passion and your heart to reach somebody and touch somebody. Amen? Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for a release of your power, a release of your grace, a release of your anointing in this place today. God, I pray, help us to steal some time, Lord. Help us to to steal some time, whether we're driving or whenever we're at home, Lord. Our downtime, my personal time. Help us to invest a little bit more connecting to the vine so that, God, we can have more of the grace and the anointing and the presence of God to be able to influence people that are around us, Lord, because we're not timid or we're not shrinking back and we're not ashamed of the gospel. But, Lord, we're living the gospel as we live our daily lives. Thank you. God, that you're touching hearts and touching lives right now in the name of Jesus. Now listen, you may be here today and you're going through a major transition in your life. You might be going through a major tension in your life. You might be, you, you might be going through a, 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 different, a different job, a, a new season in your life. And right now you're just kind of confused and you don't know where to go. 
Or maybe right now you're in tension, whether it's a relational tension, financial tension, and, and you realize, man, I, I, I need answers. I need hope. I need somebody to help me. Well, I'm here to tell you, that's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus gave his life. John 10, 10, the thief, Jesus said, comes to steal, tries to kill and destroy people's lives. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Jesus died so that you don't have to go through your transitions and tensions all alone, but you can have help to get through them. And you might be here today and you say, Todd, I need Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need Jesus. I know that I have to get ready for my death. And I know that Jesus is my helper. I know that Jesus is my savior. I believe that Jesus can forgive my sins. And today, I open my heart and invite Jesus to come into my heart. Wash my sins away. Come on, tell Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to be changed. I need hope. I need help. Lord Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me to get through my tensions and my transitions? I'm putting my hope in you, in Jesus' name. Now listen, while you have your eyes closed right there, the Holy Spirit is just going to come and touch you. Just take a deep breath and just surrender all your burdens, all your burdens. Just give it to the Lord. Amen. Now listen. You might be going through a transition or tension in your life and you're a Christian. Listen, Jesus didn't just offer hope whenever you were lost. He offered hope whenever you're living for him. Amen. He said, this is why I sent my spirit to comfort you. And so I just want you to know the Lord is going to help you and get you through it. If you need prayer for anything, you're going through something, you need somebody to stand with you, just come to either side here. And we have altar workers that are here going to come pray for you and walk with you and stand with you. Amen. Meanwhile, the rest of us, come on, let's go out and be fruitful in the kingdom of God. You ready? Come on, let's go do it, saints of God. You're dismissed. God bless you as you go.